Um, Of course, you know, we've been walking through these seven deadly sins. We're on the sixth of the seventh. And today, as you may have have, uh, gathered based on that short little video, today we're going to talk about lust. But I also thought, okay, well, lust is uh, kind of a small issue in the bigger picture of things. And so it's going to be kind of lust slash sexual sin as, as a whole. Um, but it's also, it's, it's going to be very safe, so you don't have to, like, elbow any kids and send them down. That's, that's fine, okay? Um, but Proverbs 7, if you brought a copy of God's Word, Proverbs chapter 7 is going to be our main text for this morning, okay? And so if you have a copy of God's Word and you turn to Proverbs 7, I will have Scripture on the screen as well out of Proverbs 7, uh, but that's where we're going to be. And so this is a good way for you to just double-check that I'm not putting whatever I want up on the screen. We should always be good Bereans and, and checking the Word of God. Um, now, that video that we just watched with, with Bugs Bunny, cartoons, it's funny, kind of, right? But think about the context. They, so here, here's the deal. I, I would encourage you, anytime you watch anything, be about the business of questioning, where's biblical truth in here, all right? Here's some things that I noticed from that that maybe you didn't your first time watching. This is like my seventh time watching this or something like that. Uh, but, but here's something that I noticed. Uh, one, uh, the evil scientist sent out one of his minions to trap bugs, right? He was minding his own business, and then here she comes. Then he follows after her, unbeknownst to him that there was danger afoot. And as we read chapter 7 of Proverbs, you're going to see how this fits absolutely wonderfully. And then if you notice this, he goes in, he locks the door behind him, and what does he say? You don't have to lock the door. I don't want to leave. And then he realizes that that what he was pursuing was actually phony and false and was unsatisfying. She falls apart, right? Now he uses that politically incorrect word, dame. I don't know how you feel about that, but we're going to move on. That's not the point of today's service. And then at the end, he says, after re-re-disposing of the beast, and then she comes back in again. And then what does he say? I don't care if she's mechanical, and he follows after her again. Now, in a group like this, it may be your temptation this morning to think to yourself, well, pastor's preaching to just the men this morning. And sister, no. Scripture is very clear. I think this is something that everybody deals with. Lust in Scripture can reach beyond sexual impurity, but that's the manner I want to deal with this morning. So as we look at sexual sin as a whole, that definition that I want to give you is any transgression of the limits that God has set forth for the enjoyment of sex. And so I'm going to give you a really quick list of what I came up with that would fall into this list. As we continue down this road in America, we can add to it. We probably will. Uh, But here are transgressions against the limits that God has set for a right relationship of sexual intimacy. They are as follows. Not in any particular order, it's just what I wrote them down in. Premarital sex, adultery, prostitution, rape, incest, pedophilia, homosexuality, whether that's male or female, multiplicity of uh, partners, uh, gender nonconformity, bestiality, you might not have seen this coming, but seduction, and then lastly, masturbation. God's judgment on sexual sin, it happens in this life and also in the life to come. So it's a very serious topic. But at the end, I want to show you that God has power over sexual sin as we wrap everything up, okay? 
So that's where we're going. Um, and I'm sorry if this sermon has been making you uncomfortable as it's been making me already. However, I have promised you, and I will fulfill that promise, that I will not shield you from God's word. We will cover God's word. We will cover every topic of God's word, and we will let God's word speak. So let's pray, shall we? God, our Father in heaven, we do ask that you would be with us this morning. And we ask that you would help this poor, wretched man to deliver your word to your people for your glory. God, we ask that whatever is said here would be uh, edificatious and would bring encouragement and enriching to your people. We ask that we would not treat this with flippancy, and yet we would view it in the correct lens. So Lord, we ask that you would be with us this morning. As we look at Proverbs 7, help us to glean from it, help us to learn from it, help us to apply it to our lives. And we ask this in your name, for your glory. Amen. So the first thing that I, I want to look at, so if you're a note taker, you can fill in your first uh, mark there. It says, lust begins with a look. And so if you look at Proverbs 7, uh, verses 6 and 7, it says there that, For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. So as we look at lust, or sexual sin as a whole, I want us to do so with the ability of learning and changing, not just looking at it, not just being able to say, well, I don't know exactly, but I recognize it when I see it. Uh, I hope that when we come here to hear God's word, we expect for him to change us and have his work on us. And so as we look at this, I want to take you all the way back then. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can follow along with me audibly. Genesis 3, 6. Or if you're a note taker, you can write these down. Or I think on your notes, I may have some of these down there already for you. Tried to help you with that this morning. But. Uh, so the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was the delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise. So she took of it, she ate of it, and she gave it to her husband. And so we see even back in the garden that this idea of lust, now again, this isn't sexual lust that they're talking about here, but the lust of the eyes begins with a look. She saw, and then therefore she desired. And I want to show you in Genesis 3, verse 7, the immediate consequences of that lustful look goes to their physical form. Genesis 3, 6 is what we just talked about. Genesis 3, 7, then the eyes of both were opened, their eyes again, and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see that? translated immediately from the lust of the eyes to something that was desired for physical nutrition immediately to the sexual realm. And the situation we are now in, from Adam and Eve all the way down to our present day, then the lust of the eyes begins with a look. So no, this wasn't necessarily the original sin in the garden, I wouldn't say. It was not sexual in and of itself, but it has a direct impact on our sexuality. And from then on, right, part of the curse was how this relationship would then be broken between the husband and the wife. They were uh, now embarrassed before they were naked and they were unashamed. And now they recognize the potential sinfulness of their desires for one another and how they might have been wrongly after this. And so all forms of secret sexual sin and hiding from God find their birthplace in the garden. And I also want you to see this isn't just an external concern. They sewed up fig leaves to cover themselves. Thankfully, we have better clothing today, right? But this isn't just an external concern. This is an internal concern as we look at Matthew 5.28. You have that on your notes too. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust intent, lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so just like all of these sins, it's not just an external concern. It's an internal heart condition. 
Jesus calls us to the heart of the matter, pun intended, absolutely. This lustful intent, he says, equals adultery. And by the way, women, if you think you're off the hook, it doesn't just mean uh, looks at a woman. It, it could be either way. This is not just men looking, it's vice versa. And so, but I want to pose the question, women, are you helping or hurting your brothers or those around you? James 1, 14 through 15 says, each one of us is tempted when we are carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You see, looks can be deceiving. It always works this way. It begins with a look, and then that sticks to a linger, and then that linger turns into a lust. Have you ever seen a billboard that you can't unsee? My wife and I, we were on our way to Chicago. We were, we were flying out of Chicago. We were going to go on our second honeymoon. It was supposed to be for our 10-year. That didn't work, so we went on 11-year, and that's great. I'm looking forward to the 15, 20? I don't know. 15 years coming up like next year, right? Two years from now. Anyway, so in Chicago, we're driving into Chicago. We spend the night at this hotel, and we get up the next morning to go to the airport, right? As we're driving, I'm not joking. There are so many of these billboards. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is what they say. Number 54, Brian Erlacher, if you can't see the screen up here, or if you're at home watching and it's not clear to you, Brian Erlacher is part, uh, one of the Chicago Bears players. This is uh, advertisements for resta- re- restore hair restoration services. So like hair plugs or hair transplants or something like that or Super Rogaine, I, I don't know. But Brian Erlacher, there were so many of these, Elisa and I actually thought, we, we asked the cabbie as he was driving us, we said, did the other Bears, like, pool their money together just to play a joke on this guy? I mean, it was ridiculous. Here's what some of them said. Erlacher one, balding zero. Welcome to O'Hare Hairport. Yes, they did, okay? Um, or how about this one? Bad to the comb. Or Erlacher, Erlacher tackles balding. Or they just changed his name behind him, Hairlacher, right? Or, or there, were so, and I'm, there were so many of them, there was even one that said this. It might be on the screen. I don't know if you can see it. It even said this. Great. Another restore billboard with his face on it. It's like they knew that they were overdoing it. Why do I bring this up? Because I started with lust begins with a look. Well, sometimes we don't mean to look. It's just advertised before us. It's just out in the open. It's almost as if somebody, maybe Satan, wants to place these billboards before us. And so what do we must do in that? That brings us to our next point. We must commit to either not look or to look away. So Proverbs 7. As you fill in yours, it's pretty easy. Look or look away, right? So you've got that. Proverbs 7. They're going to click through in the back. I'm going to read the text to you. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 5. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call insight your intimate friend. Why? to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Proverbs 7, 24 and 25, I think is also up there. Is that next? Good. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Now, if you go back up, it's not on your screen, but it is in your Bible. Proverbs 7, 8 talks about, or maybe it's on there. Good. Good. 
talks about this young man who is lacking sense, right? Who wasn't keeping his father's commandments, who wasn't binding him on his heart, who wasn't doing these things. And what does it say? He was not only looking, he was passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. I'm going to say that again. This man is not only looking, he is walking as well. Lust is not like the field of dreams, though. You know, if you build it, they will come. We don't have to be looking to be found when it comes to lust. This world is plenty good about putting images, lyrics, inklings in front of us. Job 31.1, one of your scriptures says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze at a virgin? Job made this covenant. A covenant means a promise. This, by the way, is not, Job is not giving us a loophole to say, well, I did promise not to look at virgins, but I'll just look at everybody else. No, that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is I've made a promise with my eyeballs that whatever I put before it is going to be something that is worthy of looking at according to God's standards. Now, Job probably would praise the Lord that he didn't have internet and streaming and radio and even, you know, uh, Hallmark Channel for all I know. I don't, I don't have that, but I can only imagine. What I'm saying is it's everywhere. But it's not, it's also, it's more than just making a covenant, a promise with our eyes not to look at something. You see, we have to look away to look at something else. And Jesus must be that something else. Jesus and the things of God, at least. Remember last week we talked about keeping our gaze fixed upon our thoughts, fixed upon the heavenly things. That's what we need to be doing. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. There's a song, fix your eyes upon Jesus, and that's exactly what we need to do. This is what is wisdom. This is what the one who wrote this proverb means when he says, My son, bind these. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Say to insight, you are my intimate friend. This is wisdom. Fixing your eyes upon Jesus and purposing yourself to either not look or to look away. Psalm 101.3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the works of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. That means we need to be proactive in our looking. What I mean is, is we need to be proactively seeking out the things that we know are going to cause us to stumble and, and ridding them of us. I'm not saying this right. I hope you understand what I mean. Proactively be not looking, maybe is a better way to say it, right? Proactively be aware of that which may cause you temptation and avoid that. That's what I'm saying. Not look for that thing that's going to cause you to be tempted and then decide not to look. That's, that's foolish. It's like saying, I wonder what pig food tastes like. I guess I'll go and eat it so I can find out. Trust me, it's bad, okay? Just avoid it. But this is a struggle that's common to man. This is a conversation I have to have with my sons when I'm going to places that women are not dressed appropriately, whether that's something like the beach. Our family loves to go to the beach, and my wonderful wife goes beach hunting for us. I don't know if you've ever heard of beach hunting. She does it. If you're curious about what that is, ask her. Basically what that is, is we will go and we'll drive around sometimes when it's nice and we'll find a good beach that has nobody at it. And then when we go as a family, that's the beach we go to. Now, I don't think she does that for me. That's just a happy bonus 
for her being a complete introvert. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> <clears throat> but these are conversations I had to have with my sons when we go to places like Michigan Adventures. You see, the fact is the world is not going to be modest for us, brothers. Sisters, you should be. And, I, and, and, and you know, uh, it does matter. And God's blessed you with beauty. That's wonderful. But for us, don't flaunt it. And so I want to ask you this morning, what steps are you actually taking to pursue sexual purity? This is what Matthew says. Matthew says in 529, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Are your steps, brothers and sisters, of fleeing temptation, of pursuing righteousness and purity, are they drastic enough? And I bet for all of us, the answer is no. Which leads me to the next question, why not? So welcome again to another one of my therapy sessions that you guys get to stick around for, which brings me to my next point. If we ignore this wisdom of God, we do so to our own peril. That should be obvious, but I think it it bodes saying. God has given us these standards. He's given us these statutes. He's told us this word. And when we ignore it, we do so to our own harm. Read with me in Proverbs 7 again, starting in verse 4. Uh, They're going to click through in the back. He says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman woman from the adulteress with her smooth words. Verse 6, For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a man lacking sense, he wasn't doing this, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. You see, this kind of reminds me of like a spider and how they do their web. And I'm not putting all the ownness on this woman. Although it does say that she was here, and if you read the whole rest of it, it kind of it puts some blame on her. But what the heck is this guy thinking? Well, clearly, according to the text, he's not. He's a man who's lacking sense. He's going about his own way, not pondering his steps. He probably knows, because he's grown up in a Jewish society, he knows purity, he knows God's standards, and yet here he goes, walking down the path to his own destruction. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. Psalm 119.9-11 answers this for us too. How can a young man or a young lady keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, we are called to pursue purity. The word of God is the wisdom of God. When we disobey God, we eventually bring pain to ourselves and to others. Psalm 1, you probably know it. Hopefully you have it memorized. Don't say it out loud and be prideful if you do. 
but I'm going to read it to you, and this is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you see the progression? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on its law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by, by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Don't you want that to be you? I mean, isn't that just inviting and encouraging and refreshing? It is to me. I want to be like that mighty oak planted behind those, or by those waters, that willow tree. But he says, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Neb, you know why? Because they're already sitting in the seat of scoffers. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Or 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Like pastors who actually from the pulpit preach that some sexual sin is okay. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You see, Scripture tells us that there is a time of abandonment where the people will then abandon God's word, but there's also a time of abandonment. It talks about in Scripture where when we continue to disregard God's word, eventually our hearts become so calloused and so hardened that God will abandon us. And beloved, I think that is far, far scarier than people abandoning God. I've got a short video for you. I I hope it's worth the time.
You see, we ignore God's wisdom at our own peril. Now, of course, that was absolutely stupid. It's from the movie Rat Race. I don't remember what it's rated, so please don't judge me for that movie. It's obviously a comedy with the folks that you see in there. Um, but the reason we do not ignore God's wisdom, or we shouldn't, is it has serious consequences. Sexual sin has serious consequences, which is the next thing there. You can fill that in. But reading with me in Proverbs, finding our way to verse 21 through 27, it says this, With much seductive speech, she pursues him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. You see, we tend to think to ourselves, when it comes to lust, sexual sin, we tend to think to ourselves, no one knows but me. Well, sin is against God, and he knows. There is never a time where you are so alone that nobody knows. God always knows. There is never a time where you can think a thought that God does not see and hear, for he hears and sees all. And also, sexual sin has consequences because it is never satisfied. We read this before, but James 1, 14 through 15, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Revelation 2, 21 through 23. This is what he's speaking. He says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. You see, there are very serious consequences of sin. Some we suffer in this life, some if we harden our heart, we will suffer for all of eternity. Scripture tells us that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. And so all of us must be on guard. This isn't just a sermon for men. Uh, this isn't just a sermon for young men. It's not just a sermon for single men. It's a sermon for all of us, every single one of us. All of us must be on guard. It says in Proverbs 7, 11 through 18, She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She is like a lion on the prowl. Oh, there's a joke there, but we'll leave it because it's inappropriate. Verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, 
I had to offer sacrifice. Listen to her brazenness with this. I had to offer sacrifice, and today I have paid my vow. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens, and Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrhs, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Do you hear how they paint this? This is painted in such a way as to make this young man want this. I mean, let's just be honest. That is how we need to be on guard and why we need to be on guard. It's never presented in this way. Hey, why don't you come and see if you can catch a disease with me? Nobody says that, right? It's presented in such a way as that it looks... I mean, look look at what's being said here. It looks... It sounds, it smells, it feels like it might be something good. And the end of this proverb says, no, what you're looking at here is actually a doorway into death. What you are smelling, you think is incense. What it is, is the smell of the rotten flesh of those myriad of the slain that have come before you. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all, all, all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 1 Thessalonians 4.3-5 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You see, Satan is like a lion seeking to devour us. We cannot expect the world to change. It's not going to. If anything, it's going to get worse. We can't expect non-Christians to change. If anything, they too are going to continue to get worse. I mean, do you remember, it said, Jesus said it's going to be like the times of Noah. And it, during Noah, it said everyone just did what was right in their own eyes all the time. And the thoughts and the intentions of their heart was just wickedness before him. We must help one another fight. I don't know if you're familiar with um, the biggest star in gaming. His name's Mario. He's a pretty big deal. Um... In his world, there is an adversary known as a piranha plant. You probably know what this is. You've probably seen it before. It comes out of a little green tube, and then it has a red face, and it has, like, chomp-chomp teeth. It's called a piranha plant. There's real plants like this. Not exactly. You're probably thinking of, you know, the Venus flytrap. There's others. Um, One of them that you should look up, it's super crazy, is called the, and I'm going to mispronounce this, it's called the Nef, it starts with an N, And the last name of it is the Raja. Uh, This is a member of a carnivorous pitcher plant, okay? Uh, This one is commonly known as the monkey's cup because primates will actually come down and drink out of the leaves when they're thirsty. Uh, This plant is found in Borneo. It is probably the largest of all these plants. It can grow uh, approximately uh, 18 feet in length. That's a big plant. Um, It can hold up to three liters of water and two and a half liters of digestive juices inside of it. And so uh, things like birds and lizards as well as insects fall into it. There's another one called the yellow pitcher plant. That is here in the United States. Insects are drawn to it by its vibrant color as well as the nectar 
that contains a toxin that incapacitates them. And the inside of its waxy walls form this tube that ensure the insects will slide down to the base where the digestive fluids soon deal with them. Brother or sister, take heed lest we fall. Every single one of us must be on guard because the seduction is real and if we are not careful, we will fall into it. And so this is a group and family effort. And so the last point that I want to get to with you is uh, this one. And this is the best. With God's help, victory is possible. It is not all gloom and doom with Christ. In Christ Jesus, we can have victory. Proverbs 7, 1 through 5, they start with saying, keep my words, treasure these up, right? I think I have them on there, I'm not sure. Nope, we've got other ones, so I'll read them to you. Or you can just read along in your copy of God's word. Hopefully you've had that open. Keep my words, treasure them up, these commands before you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of the eye. Bind them to your fingers. Write them on the tablet. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call insight your intimate friend. Why? To keep you from the forbidden woman. He says in here, if we do that, you will have victory. If you do those things, it will keep you from the forbidden woman. Proverbs seven twenty four through 27. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to my words of my mouth. Scripture is full of passages that tell us that we can have victory in Christ. So now we'll go to the ones that are up here. Romans 12, or I'm sorry, Romans 6, 12 through 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Outside of Christ, I had no choice. I had to obey my sinful fleshly desires. I thought I was free. I thought I was experiencing and practicing freedom, liberation even, right? But I did not know I was a slave to my passions and my desires and my sinful nature. It is only in Christ that we now have the ability to make this choice. I can either present myself as instruments of unrighteousness, or I can choose to present myself as instruments of righteousness. In Christ, we have that freedom. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Think of our brother Joseph in the lap of luxury. She probably had Egyptian linen. It was Egypt after all, right? She probably had incense and fragrance and myrrh. She probably was an attractive woman. I mean, this is Potiphar's wife, right? She wasn't probably a schlub. And she reaches out to him, and Joseph is able to resist. And brother and sister, you are too. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. None. Praise the Lord for this statement. Praise the Lord that our Jesus experienced every temptation that is common to man, and he was victorious. And we get to live in his victory. That's a place for an amen, or at least a hallelujah. 2 Timothy 2.22, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So he provides the way of escape. Take it. Pursue that. 
Pursue wisdom. Bind these things. Be about the business of guarding your eyes. Choose to not look or to look away. Guard one another. Titus 2, 11 through 12. Now, most of the time, shoot. Yeah, most of the time, we uh, read out of the ESV. And I like the ESV. I prefer the ESV. This verse is from the NIV because I like the way this reads a little better. Okay, so just full transparency. This is what this says in the NIV. You can look up in the ESV and see they're real close, but I, I like this one. This is what it says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God's word is our trainer to teach us to say no. It's just like going to the gym. The more you lift weights, the stronger you are. The more you're in the word and you hide it in your heart, the more likely you are to be able to take that devil by his tail, right? To resist Satan. He says, put on the full armor of the Lord that you may be able to withstand. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel, beloved, is not just for heaven, although that is part of the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is also for today, that we could have freedom today. Are you a slave to sexual sin this morning? If you are, please don't raise your hand. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be. That right now, at this very moment, you can experience life-changing, life-giving, shackle breaking release from sexual sin through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That is the gospel. God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Nothing is outside of God's ability to crush So there is a victory in the cross. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you. We thank you for your standard. We thank you for your son who kept your standard. We thank you for that son and his substitutional sacrifice, death, burial, resurrection on the cross that he now imputes, he deposits that righteousness into our empty accounts. And we thank you that through that deposited, imputed righteousness upon us, we can live in Christ as victorious over these things. That you have guaranteed us that you will be with us and never leave us, never forsake us. That you have guaranteed us that your sanctification teaches us to say no. That you have guaranteed us that no matter what Satan brings or throws at us, you are stronger and you provide a way out. So God, in a society where we are given billboards continuously, help us to guard one another, to guard our hearts, to treasure wisdom, to seek true repentance, and yes, Lord, even victory. In your name we pray, amen.